smell it already. I'm salivating. All that free agency goodness, it's in the air. It's getting hot in this kitchen, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but I do know that I'm extremely excited for free agency. Thursday night, 5 p.m. Central. That's when everything opens up. That's when teams can talk to unrestricted free agents. That's when teams can start to look at uh, making offers to restricted free agents. This is a fun time of year. It can get chaotic and get unpredictable. Everybody almost is in win-now mode. Everybody's looking to improve. So this is one of the most exciting times in the NBA calendar. I really look forward to talking uh, about all of it with my upcoming guest. I think it's a good discussion. We talk a lot about who the Chicago Bulls can target, of course, but also just free agents around the league who could be pretty underrated in terms of their instant impact that they can make for whatever team they end up on. Before I get into all of that, though, I do want to send a big thank you to anybody who listened to that first episode uh, and anyone who's followed the podcast. I really appreciate that. It's pretty cool to see the reach that even that first episode had. I had no idea starting this up, you know, who's going to be interested. Uh, I was hoping maybe people who followed my work at BleacherNation.com or who followed me on Twitter would have some interest in, in, in listening to me verbally say words about that orange bouncy ball. So I appreciate you for uh, stopping by and listening, and I appreciate you if you're here right now. My goal, obviously, is hopefully this gets even better. I get better at this. Hopefully, you know, the production gets better. Hopefully, the guests, you know, they're already pretty good. I appreciate anybody who's come on. So that part, I think, is already already going going strong. But hopefully, I get better at this, and, and it becomes, um, you know, an, an enjoyable listen for, for everybody. So thank you to everybody who listened. Thank you to those who also reached out on social media to uh, – to say they listened and, and that they uh, look forward to what comes next, so that that means a lot, and it's and it's pretty cool to see. Uh, wasn't full, wasn't expected, so thank you. All right, so let's. I think that's good. Why don't we Why don't we just jump right into the free agency conversation? What I do want to preface this whole thing with is, you know, let's remember, let's keep things in perspective. Don't let's not let's not freak out when you know. Let's say a team signs Carmelo Anthony. Fans are going to think, like, that's not changing the direction of your franchise, okay? And old Carmelo, I'm sorry, fans of whatever team, that's not that's not fixing things for you. That's not changing. That's not moving the needle drastically. Same thing, let's go on the other end of the spectrum. When your team hands a roster spot to Tony Snell, that's not sinking the ship. Everything's going to be okay. Free agency, while they're big names, there's also all these smaller moves. There's a lot of, uh, of pieces to the puzzle, and sometimes we can uh, overreact or underreact to certain moves. So... We just gotta. We're, hopefully, this upcoming conversation keeps everything in perspective. Uh, hopefully, we can have a balanced discussion. I guess moving forward. So, with that said, let's hop over to a fun conversation that I got to have with a friend of mine. Maybe can can I say that? Who knows? I guess we'll see by the end of this conversation. Will Gottlieb. Now to talk all things free agency is a former staffer over at the Athletic and Bleacher Report. He now does great work writing and podcasting. For the Chicago-based sports media company, CHGO, I want to welcome in a new friend of the program, Will Gottlieb. Will, you're the second victim of points in the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. The second victim, yeah. It's great to be here. Um, Very excited to talk free agency with you. It's like the holidays, the NBA holidays are upon us, so I'm, I'm pumped. That's a good point. Yeah, it's very like it's very much like Thanksgiving Christmas time of year because we had the draft last year, and now we step into this free agency period. Uh, and it can be just as stressful as those times a year as well. Uh, you get a lot of uh, a lot of arguing potentially over things. So yeah, that was a good a good uh, <laughs> a good comparison there from you. Yeah, you got to see your family face to face. You know, you never want to do the traveling, but uh, especially with the Bulls having sort of a quiet draft in terms of just taking their one guy, making no moves to move up or down or out. Um, yeah, I think I'm hoping that we get some action here in free agency starting tomorrow evening. Yeah, tomorrow evening at uh, 5 p.m. Central is uh, when it will all open up, and all the news will probably come out right away because that's <laughs> normally how it no, goes. No, that would never happen. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> um, no such thing as tampering. No, no, especially for the Knicks, especially for the Knicks. Let's, so I kind of want to start by just going over a couple questions I asked online for, for uh, some questions from uh, from listeners, and we got a couple, a free agency-based one. And speaking of um, looking at what the draft could have meant into this, I want to look at what something else could mean for free agency. 
uh, and start with a question that somebody asked. It was, I think it was Kyle McMahon on Twitter asked, what is the trade value for Kobe White? I think we should answer that question maybe before we have some free agency discussions, because at the end of the day, that could impact um, how Chicago is looking to proceed, you know, depending on what they think they could get back in return. So I have my thoughts on this, uh, and I'm assuming they're going to be relatively similar to yours. But what do you think Kobe White's trade value is at this point in time? I hate to say it, but I think it's like pretty close to zero. Um, I think if they could have moved him by now, they probably would have. They reportedly shopped him with the 18th pick during the draft, couldn't get anything they wanted. And it seems like a situation to me where he is more valuable to the Bulls than he is to any other team. Um, He's 22 or 21 years old. Uh, It seems like he still would have some upside, but he just wasn't very good. Hasn't been very good in his career so far. Hasn't really like figured out the game. I think that's like a very uh, intelligence-based thing, like basketball IQ. It just doesn't seem like he's really figured it out yet. And that's not to say that he never will, but he hasn't. I think it's if you're going to move him or if a team wants to trade for him, they're going to have to be a team that's going to be patient with him developing. And I don't think the Bulls are going to try to just dump him for a second-round pick or salary relief. Um, maybe they'll try to package him in a bigger deal. I think those are kind of the two areas that they might be looking at. But right now, it does not feel like they could get much back in a Kobe one-for-one trade. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, it's and it's not the I don't think it's the I used to be a hardcore Kobe White stand. I'll just admit that now I was very much I was very much on board when uh, when they drafted him number seven. It was still a seventh pick. So obviously that was a little cursed. But I was, uh, you know, I was on board. I was excited. He was somebody I wanted in that spot. And he just hasn't kind of uh, developed. You kind of reference it in the way that I hoped. I thought his fuel for the game would get a little bit better. I did think that he's always flashed some um some decent playmaking and passing ability. I mean, he kind of, he did it in college a little bit. And then throughout this first couple of years, he's had some, you know, from some kind of eye popping passes, but it always seems like it's not nearly enough. And, and the turnover trouble when he has, when he's uh, really ball pressured, that can be messy. So uh, I've come around to the idea of he's probably going to be, you know, if, if you can get somebody that's a veteran and more reliable, that it's, it's, it's worth the shot with him. Uh, the only kind of upside to keeping him, you can say, is at least he's one of the team's better current three-point shooters. Um, you can't really have him out there because he doesn't offer the D part of three and D. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of stinks. Yeah. But the three-point shooting at least is an asset that I can see the Bulls, you know, kind of uh, biting the bullet on and saying, as at least we have that capability from him. He did shoot 38% last year, uh, which was a career high. It sucks that he can't do that more consistently because it seems like he shoots, you know, 32% for... Uh, three weeks and then he goes and shoots 42 percent for the next three weeks and there's just no level of consistency there exactly the consistency has been the big thing but I do think there's value in him having a playoff series under his belt going into his fourth season now having more veteran leadership uh, who are quality players around him uh, could definitely benefit him and and maybe he starts to figure some things out but for me it's like if you're out there to score because you can't do much else and you're not shooting the ball well enough or consistent enough or you're hesitating in playoff games, um, it's just hard to justify having him out there. Obviously, you know, he had the ball in his hands a lot before DeRozan got here to to the Bulls. And now, and he put up some numbers, like for sure he did, but it was, they were obviously a very bad team. And at this point, like you can't really justify letting him run any offense because you just got better options. And so, you know, He's he's said in the past, and Vooch has said the same thing that like adjusting to your role takes a long time and and can mess with you in terms of just like productivity. But they have to figure that out. I mean, they just they have to play better. That's kind of the bottom line. And there's nobody who really has had their speaking of the switching of the roles, their role switch more than him since coming into the league. I mean, that was a big at least on this you know on this team and at least out of players we've seen on the Bulls the past couple of years. He's had. He's gone from being that spark plug, spark plug scorer to being the starting point guard to kind of going back to that six-man role, but then having to adjust to playing with higher usage players. So it's been, you know, not surprising by any means that he has struggled to find his way. But at this point, the question is, how much longer can you wait for him to find his way uh, if you're trying to win right now? And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think they can wait that long. And that's why, like you mentioned earlier, we've heard reports of them shopping, uh, shopping him, and they were shopping him alongside that 18 pick. Um, now going back to the original point of just like what his value is, I think you're right. It's probably like close to pretty low to the ground. I do think, you know, especially as free agency nears, 
and as the season nears and, and stuff like this is the time of year where um, people's values can just kind of suddenly rise, right? Depending on what you get in free agency. So there are teams out there right now who might be looking at their options and say, okay, you know, Kobe White is better than what else we can get here, what we thought we were going to be able to get out there. And maybe that opens up, you know, an avenue for some sort of deal to get done. But I don't really see a, a deal where it's a one for one, like you said, where some team convinces themselves, hey, Kobe is, uh, you know, I'm going to trade this role player for Kobe because the Bulls are only going to take back at least, I'm assuming at least they're only going to take back a, a role player at this point, somebody who can, you know, impact the team. So, yeah, I think it would have to be packaged alongside a pick, maybe that Portland pick, if it's somebody, you know, that can actually be impactful. But it's kind of hard right now, I think, for to, to see a deal getting done. That doesn't mean one won't get done. Uh, I'm just not sure they're going to get back the value that they would have initially wanted. And you have to think about it, too, from the perspective of what other teams' motives are. And at this point in, like, in the NBA, there aren't very many teams that are going for the bottom anymore. There aren't many teams that want to take on potential talent and develop them. Like everybody's going for the playoffs. Everybody's going for those play-in tournament spots. And um, that could change at any moment. So I, I do think there's potential there. Like if the Jazz want to trade Gobert somewhere and feel like they're going to lose Donovan Mitchell and want to blow it up, like maybe they do want to take a chance on Kobe White and try to develop him. Uh, maybe the Rockets want to add more scoring power or the Magic or some of these uh, lower level teams that are just in asset accumulation mode. Uh, the problem with Kobe right now is that he's going to be extension eligible and you're going to have to re-sign him to a deal that you probably don't feel super comfortable re-signing him to because you're not paying him for what he's done so far. You're paying him for what he could hopefully become, but that's always a risky proposition. So uh, it could change. I totally agree with you that like, um, you know, there there could be other teams that become interested based on other moves that happen around the league. But I think as it stands right now, he's probably not going to be the first domino to fall unless there's a big blockbuster move that he just happens to be a part of. Right. Yeah. If, unless there's unless, you know, the go bear trade does come to fruition or, you know, they, they end up going after somebody else that it, it seems like, um, you know, it seems like you said he may not be the first guy to go. Um, OK, so let's move on to the next question uh, that I wanted to discuss, which actually this is the perfect, perfect transition with the Kobe conversation, or at least the end of that Kobe conversation. If you could predict one way out of left uh, out of or one, I think this was typed wrong. Let me read it again. <laughs> if you could predict one uh, way out of left field free agent signing for the Bulls, who would it be? That comes from Paul H on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, if, I guess if we were talking about right, one of those big moves where maybe Kobe could be a piece of the package going back. Uh, you know, what would you, what are the names you'd throw out there? I don't know if, I don't know if this person would be satisfied with, if, if Paul would be satisfied with saying Rudy Gobert. I don't know if that's enough out of left field, considering it's been reported for a long time. However, it's died down uh, as of late. Um, and it seems like the Bulls are preaching that they're going to continue with uh, Nikola Vucevic and, and go to, uh, go search for a backup big man in the, uh, in the open market. But yeah, I guess if you had to, to consider, um, blindside options, and I have a couple other in mind, but I'd love to hear what you were to say first. What, what do you think could be out there? I think the four biggest names that the Bulls will, uh, that they could go after that are super unrealistic are Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Miles Bridges, and Kyle Kuzma. And I think all those guys would be super helpful depending on the deal, uh, especially with the restricted guys, Ayton and Bridges it becomes very difficult to make it work financially because of uh, base year compensation rules, which basically say uh, for outgoing salary purposes, meaning if the bulls were to absorb a max contract for eight or bridges, which would be roughly $30 million, the, re the receiving team, if you wanted to send something back to the Hornets or Suns, would only be able to accept 15. So you'd need to incorporate another team and, presumably send assets there. So it becomes difficult, but uh, those are two guys that I think a lot of teams are going to be going after. There's obviously rumors about Aiton and that sort of uh, divorce happening in Phoenix and uh, the Hornets potentially not wanting to pay Miles Bridges the max. I think they'd be crazy not to do that. Uh, regardless of how you feel about, you know, what, what uh, amount of money he gets, like, what are you doing if you just let him go? That's, pretty silly like trade them or whatever but anyway um so those two i think could be great targets if they wanted to go that direction obviously the gobert thing has been 
all over the place and I've been pushing for it. I think Gobert would be, um, I think that would be amazing for the Bulls. Um, and we can talk more about that if you want, but I think that would basically make the Bulls like legit contenders, uh, assuming they went into the tax and used their full mid-level exception to sign uh, another wing player, another shooter to bolster the rest of the lineup. But Kuzma could be another good option. You know, who knows what the Wizards are doing? They just traded this morning for uh, Monty Morris and Will Barton. Um, they've got so many like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh options on their team. Like, well, that's the they thing. They traded like all these one, guys. So. They traded one solid. Like, I just felt like it was just a very funny role player swap that deal, right? Because I mean. Uh, trading Ish Smith, who I think is uh, out of all the four players included in that trade, is probably the the least um, valuable. I guess I'd say, is, 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 for lack of better words. But uh, you know, KCP totally fine get for the Nuggets. Good player, good vet to add to your team. Uh, and then they added Monte Morris and um, and Will Barton uh, again. Two other good role players that I'm like. I just feel like this was like when they added Kuzma and KCP last year, right? It's like these are good players. Like you're adding guys who have come from a winning culture, but you know, how far does that, how far is that going to get you when they're all just kind of the same tier? So I don't know that that trade did confuse me, but back to the original point, I do agree. Um, I think those four names that you, you know, you, that you listed off are, are all kind of the smart choices just because those are the ones that we've heard kind of the most rumors about, maybe with the exception of Kuzma, but we've heard, uh, you know, the most rumors about those, those three names. And, and we know the bulls do their due diligence. This front office likes to, you know, look around and, and see what's out there. So I, I'm assuming they did uh, take a look at all those options and, and see what the value could be. The only other name that I might throw in there, um, you know, and this is more of just a me wanting to see it as less of a actually thinking that it will be on the table. But I do think, and I've, I've tweeted this out multiple times uh, and I've written about it uh, um, at Bleacher Nation. I think Miles Turner just makes so much sense for what the Bulls would need. And while he doesn't offer the kind of like playmaking necessarily that Busevic would down low, um, he would be a cheaper option. He spaces the floor for you. He is, uh, you know, an elite shot blocker, a physical defender. Uh, he just makes a lot of sense, I think, for what the Bulls need at that position. Uh, the Pacers do not appear interested, or at least who knows, because his name is always out there. But they keep saying at this point that they want to see what he looks like with Tyrese Halliburton, which I think is a smart move for them. But We'll see what happens. I just think that's another name. Uh, I would. I wouldn't be necessarily sh- like my jaw wouldn't be on the floor. I, it would be out of excitement, but I wouldn't be shocked just because his name has always been uh, in the market. If he's the been in trade up. rumors since he got into the league. He's the guy. new CJ McCollum. Yeah, he used to be. Yeah. He's he's been in trade rumors all the time. So it's like once a deal actually gets done, no one's going to be baffled by it. But if the Bulls were to get that done, I think that would be a blind, like one of those kind of shocking, more shocking moves that would make a lot of sense though for the team. Uh, with the Gobert thing though, I didn't get any specific question about Gobert, but I do think you're right. We should briefly touch on it just because it's still definitely a possibility. I think at the end of the day, if the Bulls were to include Patrick Williams in the, in that trade, they are, you know, kind of front runners to get it done. I'm sure Utah sees the, plenty of teams around the league see value in them. We learned that at the trade deadline still when there were conversations. It's funny to think now that conversations about Jeremy Grant uh, for Patrick Williams were being had at the trade deadline, which I was strongly against at the time. And I am now happy that I was on the right side of that because Grant just ended up, you know, uh, going for a first round pick um, to Portland. But with Gobert, I do think if they were to include Williams, it would, it could potentially get done relatively easily. Um, I'm not sure how much draft capital uh, the, the jazz are looking for. I'm indifferent. You are fully on the bandwagon. I would not at all be mad if it were to happen. I think that it makes plenty of sense for what they need. I think I agree with you that it would definitely improve the team. I think the only thing that uh, is hard for me not to consider is just, you know, how long is does the the window become? There's a lot of money tied into a center. Rarely in today's league is it is it uh, the best to have that much money tied up to a center. But if you're going to do it, I guess one of those centers should be Rudy Gobert, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you said a lot there, and I want to try to answer all those questions. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm rambling. See, the Rudy Gobert no, thing no, no, really no. gets me There's, in a tizzy. I get <laughs> I get all yeah, thrown no, off. It's, it's super complicated, and I I'll qualify what you said by saying that you know I I would not be upset if they don't do this, but I do think it would make them better, and of course. The fan base is very attached to Patrick Williams, and I get why. Like he's a good prospect, but like they're a little over. What happens? I think they're a little over attached, but that's also like how you get really good players that are good right now. And so, 
I'll start with the window aspect of it. You said, how long is the window if they get a guy like Rudy Gobert? Uh, I think it's as long as the window is right now. I mean, basically, it it gives you a real window. Right now, they have DeMar DeRozan for two more years. He is 32 years old, going to be 33 next season. Like, how good, how, how much longer is he going to be playing at this level? And if you want to compete, then you got to compete. You got to go for it. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's scary to sort of, like, mortgage the future in that way. But uh, otherwise, you're just kind of hanging around and hoping for a similar outcome to this past year, which I think we're all um, – you know, hoping for a little bit more. So that that's kind of my thinking in terms of going for it. And, uh, you know, you said investing that much money into a center. So, you know, a lot of people are talking now about, well, let's just go out and sign, you know, Mo Bamba for the $10.3 million mid-level exception. Okay, great. So now you're investing the same amount of money into Vooch and Bamba, neither of whom are remotely close to as good as Rudy Gobert, but you've got money invested in them. You've now got to make a decision about whether to extend Vucevic after the, his contract ends following this upcoming season. And I mean, he had a bad season. Like maybe he bounces back a bit next year, but like he's 31, he's declining, his game is getting worse. And like I, I've been on board with Vuce all year. I think he's very underrated compared to what a lot of fans think. Like he provides a ton of value as a passer, as a post player, and as a shooter. But like, that's only in theory right now. Like he didn't produce. And if the Bulls want to compete, they have to get production. They have to have real production on the floor now. And I'll also say this, like I'm typically against paying centers a lot of money. Avika Zubat's got 33 million over three years to be the starting center with the Clippers. And granted, he's not going to close games for them. They're going to close small with Marcus Morris, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you're looking at paying a starting center $10 million a year would you really want to spend $10 million on a backup who's going to give you 12 to 18 minutes a game, not be able to close and potentially play a lot of minutes next to Vucevic because the Bulls have no other options on the wing? I do not want that. I think that would be a really bad decision financially for the Bulls and also just roster building wise. So I'm very, uh, I wouldn't say very opposed to using the mid-level on a center. Um, I really like Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he could be sort of the, the next heir to the Bulls big man throne after Vooch uh, expires. And that would give the Bulls some flexibility with the cheaper center. But to me, if you're going to go for it with a rim protecting rim rolling big, like you got to go for it. You know, Gobert is the exception that makes the rule in terms of having a guy like that out there in closing moments. I don't think people fully appreciate how good he is because of all the drama and the fact that the Jazz have totally flamed out in the playoffs every single year. But, you know, if you're the argument of like, let's get some fraction of Gobert's production for some fraction of the cost, I think that's how you end up in a bad situation, paying multiple centers more money and still not having any caps flexibility. And also, by the way, not having a good center on the roster. Right. No, so those, <laughs> no, those are all, those are all good points. And they, and they emphasize why for me, I've been always in the middle of this whole thing where I think some people, like a lot of people have picked very strong sides, which I think, and you know, there are obviously arguments to, to both ends. I've just been very in the middle because I, I would not be mad if it happened. Uh, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to be too upset if it doesn't. Cause yeah, I think at the end of the day, the, um, I think you're right by saying sometimes, you, you you know, especially in today's league, you just kind of have to go for it when you have that opportunity to go for it. So the question of uh, about the window talk, right? Like, is that you're right? Does it necessarily get any longer by not doing the deal? And the only thing I'd say with that is you can, it's only a hypothetical maybe right now or yes, because of the fact that at least the money is, you know, could be there potentially for doing other things. And, you know, Zach is still 27, whatever. Maybe the window doesn't include, you know, the window I don't think will include Vucevic, but regardless of if it's Gobert or not. And then, you know, maybe DeMar, continue, he's not going to give what you gave you last year, but perhaps his, uh, his I think he, he will age decently well as a contributor and a secondary scorer. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the bigger question for me is, you know, just what can you do with that money elsewhere potentially uh, down the road? But is that even a worthwhile question to answer when someone like Gobert is potentially there and you can just become, you know, that team right now? Or if you think I, that, yeah. I was just going to say, like, you, you'd still have that mid-level exception to play with. Like, they wouldn't be in the tax yet. 
Now they would sure, have to sure. go into the tax. And that is a big part of this too, is like, are the bulls actually going to go into the luxury tax remains to be seen. But basically you're looking at adding, if they don't do anything, just adding a center, let's say with the full mid-level exception, you're looking at having Mo Bamba, Patrick Williams and Vooch for, um, you know, what is it? 22 plus 10 plus seven. So $39 million. Or you could, you know, have one of the best defensive, arguably the best defensive center in the league. Yeah. And then use that mid-level exception on a wing, on a wing defender exactly. and a three and D wing, you know, a shooter. You need, there's plenty Let's say of other you options. use that mid-level on PJ Tucker. Now you've got a little less depth, but you've got PJ Tucker and Rudy Gobert for, you know, roughly the same price. And I, I agree. That's a more appealing option. And I agree at the end of the day, I think that his, um, with when it comes to Gobert, I do think a lot of the concerns around him are overblown at this point. Uh, I do think, you know, there are, are there questions? Yes. About the offensive end, you know, there, there are there uh, just because he will plug up the lane a little bit, but is that, you know, do I see that as a big enough reason not to do a deal? No, because at the end of the day, smart coaching, you know, you figure that out, smart roster building, you, you know, you, the Bulls can make do with that. I'm not too concerned about like what exactly the the play would look like with him on the floor. I also think a lot of the concerns about him getting run off the floor in the playoffs, uh, you know, that's not going to be a concern if Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso are the perimeter yeah, defenders. I mean, the defense around <laughs> Gobert in would be in it would be elite. They would be one of the best. Yeah, the Bulls would be one of the best defenses. But in in Utah, I think a lot of people just forget like he was run off the floor because he had to do so much. Uh, to cover up all the mistakes of, of having a poor, you know, backcourt um, defensively. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely see uh, all the ways you're coming through. I, I'm curious at this point if it gets done. I do feel like maybe it would have had to be, you know, done, um, you know, around draft time. So it yeah. is, it, I'm, I'm curious. I do, I do actually think that uh, it could still happen. I think they need to get Zach's signature on a contract here before they make a move like that. If Zach doesn't come back or he wants to do a sign and trade, like you cannot, you cannot trade Patrick Williams until you know Zach is coming back and you, the sure. window is actually open. So I will, I will qualify with that. For sure. Um, the other thing, so I, oh, the other thing I want to speak to that you brought up before we move on to the next question and it will relate to the next question, that mid-level ex- exception, you know, you're not wanting to use that on a center. You said, I, w- I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of, uh, of you know, fans out there that I see right now wanting to use it all on a Mo Bamba, who I do like. I mean, I think I'd be I would be happy with his addition, but not for the full mid level. Because at the end of the day, like you should be one, you should be spreading that out, but two, you're still tying up a lot of money in the center. The only way that I would be comfortable seeing them put that much money into a backup center would be if they're confident that that's the backup center who's going to replace Vooch moving forward, right? So maybe that is Isaiah Hart signs who I think would cost less than Mo Bamba, but um, if it's Mo Bamba, let's say, then he, they have to be confident. I would have to say pretty confident that he can potentially take Vooch's spot next year and be the starting big man, which I don't know if you want to make that bet right now. I like his skills. I think he fits probably out of all the available centers on the market. Him and Hartenstein are the two that I think fit probably what this front office likes and wants to see out of that position. Bamba offers more than Hart, Hartenstein. Hartenstein doesn't at all offer the floor spacing. Bamba offers that um, for you. And I think that that's probably something that they that this front office sees a lot of value in, especially with the lack of three-point shooting that they already have, but then they're going to lose with Vooch, you know, moving forward. So, um, yeah, I just, but the, the next question that, that ties into all that is from Nick Robert on Twitter. Do you think they will spend their mid-level exception on multiple players or only one player likely a big man? So for me, I think it will be multiple players. I don't think they're going to drop it all on a big man. That's maybe me giving them the benefit of the doubt because I don't think that they would put all their eggs in one basket and they know that they have several holes. I mean, they, they talk about it. Rim protection and shooting. Eversley and uh, Arturis, right? Both those guys talked about it at their press conferences. They labeled both things as areas they need to fill. So I do think they're looking to add several pieces. Um, but yeah, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see how it goes because I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, how aggressive they are with the spending at this point. And it all relates to, will they go into the tax? I, I hope they do. All signs have kind of suggested they will, but when push comes to shove, is Jerry going to grab the checkbook and, and, <laughs> and go lock himself in the office? Who knows? I'm trying to quickly look up the, uh, the quote from Jake Fisher's uh, story this morning. He said, that the Bulls are expected to preserve room and not offer the full mid-level exception to a center like Hardenstein or Bamba. I think they probably would need to in order to get either or uh, either of those guys, just because um, 
they they might sign with another team. Like those guys are super young. They're trying to get their money. They're less concerned with, you know, being on a championship caliber team when they're not going to be starting. And so I think there are options for them to go with the full mid-level to uh, maybe a lower caliber team where they have an option to showcase their skills a little bit more and then maybe cash in on their next contract. Um, so I do think they would they would need to use that full med level on a big. And again, that's uh, not something I'd be comfortable doing. I think the wing is much more of an area of need. Uh, I, I Frankly, I think the rim protection issue is pretty overblown. Um, I think a lot of that can be solved by having better perimeter defense. If you and stay healthy. Was, yeah, if you stay healthy, it's overblown. Like assuming they can get ball. I mean, and if you prove, yes, you're the depth. But assuming you can get, you know, ball back healthy, assuming a Caruso can play more than what, he he played far fewer games than than you think from last year, and that's year. Ex- that's exactly why that money would be better spent on a wing because if you lose those guys again, they're basically their season was over, right? And so you need insurance there because at this point you can't rely on those guys to play a full season. Like Lonzo never has. Caruso plays with such uh, aggression and intensity all the time that like he's bound to get bumped and bruised and have to miss some games. So I think that money would be much better spent on the wing. Maybe they can even find somebody who can play a little small ball five, you know, whether it's PJ Tucker or TJ Warren, who I think would also both require the full mid-level. I would feel much better about signing one of them. Uh, I wrote about my top 15 options today at allseekgeo.com. If you want to go check that out. Um, Yeah, I, I would feel pretty uncomfortable paying for a full center, but full mid-level for a center, but they probably would need to do that for somebody like Bamba or um, Hartenstein. Now, maybe they go after Thomas Robinson or Chris Boucher and, and they cost a little bit less, but, you know, Torian Prince got $8 million a year and it sounds like Thaddeus Young is going to get at least five. Like, I, it's hard for me to believe that all these guys would be willing to take a little bit less when there aren't, there are options out there for them to go to for that full mid level. That's kind of what the market is indicating right now. So um, we'll see what they do. I, I think again, to your point, like it's all going to hinge on whether they're willing to go into the tax. And at this point they kind of have no excuses. Like they, they absolutely need to. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, they definitely have no excuses. And the only problem is that we, you know, we can't, we just can't be sure with this team. They've done it. What once in the, in the history of the franchise. So, uh, you just you you can never be too sure. Yeah, I think the the options for you know veteran minimum guys. I kind of listed some of them this morning uh, um, on Bleacher Nation that I thought they could potentially take a look at. Uh, the best option who could end up honestly getting even more than the veteran minimum, depending on how bad a team wants them. Javale McGee is just like that that epitome I think of that you know reliable veteran you know center that you can get right now um, on a contending team. So he's a veteran minimum guy that I could envision them uh, potentially, you know, taking a look at at least giving a call. Uh, Bismack Biombo, another veteran minimum guy. He was also on the Suns last year. I definitely worry a ton about, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to offer you much offensively. I worry about giving him an actual full-time backup role, like how many minutes per game he can handle. I don't know, but at least he's a shot blocking presence that, uh, and technically a switchable defender who can, who can go out there for you. Um, Dwight Howard's going to be out there if that's your cup of tea 37 year old Dwight Howard at least he uh you know he can provide some rebounding and some toughness uh who was another Dwayne Dedman from Miami I also have questions about whether or not he can be your kind of full-time backup center but he had kind of a rejuvenation last year with um the Miami Heat played well another just big guy technically has flashed some jump shot making in the past uh, but yeah, like those options, right? Like those veteran minimum options, those are all guys. Those are all probably better than having Tony Bradley, <laughs> you know, on the, on your roster, but they're not going to get you super excited. Um, if you want to get, you know, a real kind of impact guy, it probably is going to be some of those names we already talked about. Isaiah Hartenstein, Chris Boucher, um, you know, those are the type of names that will help you more, but whether or not the bulls can even compete financially is going to be the big question. And that's exactly where I was going to go is, the market right now, I think JaVale, maybe Bismack Biombo, guys like that are actually going to get more than the minimum just because right. teams need to get backup centers. And so um, it just – Yeah, the league yeah, is I, getting bigger again. I mean, I, I, I like at the end of the day, you saw maybe – I know the Warriors just won and, and they don't have really any size, but Kevon Looney had a great year and, and their defense you know plays really well. But at the end of the day, especially in the East, you have the Celtics 
you know, they're playing two bigs out there with, with Horford and, and uh, Rob Williams. You have Giannis in, in town. You have Joel Embiid, even Miami. He might be smaller, but you have Bam Adebayo. Like the league is getting a little, gearing a little bit towards, you know, back toward having some more traditional size on, on these teams. And so I think you're right. Like these players could end up getting more money than you want them to get, which means maybe the Bulls just end up having to pay up. But I think that's, I think that's hundred percent right. Let's uh, there's a couple people who asked about this. So um, I'm not going to throw names out right now. Cause I got a handful of it, but appreciate anyone who asked this question, <laughs> asked this question. Uh, just basically about three and D wings, right? Like who are, who are some shooters who are some three and D guys that we, we can see on the market. And I think I'll tie this into kind of what I wanted to do next anyway, just naming, just literally naming guys we could see the bulls potentially being interested in. And let's start in that category of, you know, adding, adding three and D wings. Uh, I have a couple names in mind that I'll just kind of throw out there and see maybe if you were thinking the same way, I like a guy, I still like a guy like Kyle Anderson out there. I I don't know if he's going to end up, I think he's also someone who can get, you know, more money than the bulls are going to be able to, to pay him, but decent shooter long, he can, uh, he's a versatile, uh, decently somewhat versatile player. I could see the team being interested in him. Uh, both Martin brothers are, uh, you know, decent wing options, pretty inexpensive. I believe both are restricted free agents uh, currently, but they both offer Caleb, I believe more than Cody offers that three point shooting that the Bulls might be looking for in terms of size though, and, and kind of toughness and hustle on defense. They'll both provide you with that. Uh, TJ Warren, you brought him up earlier. That is a guy I could see being of value to a lot of teams around the league. There's questions about his health and how well he's going to look coming off the injury trouble that he's had recently. But if you're looking for, you know, a scorer and just kind of a hard nosed player, he's another guy. And one last name I'll, I'll throw out there right now before I'll pass it to you. Uh, Gary Harris, I wrote about this morning. I'm still very interested in him. I was kind of interested in him. Uh, I brought him up first in my mind around the, the trade deadline. The money he was making wasn't going to work out. He was making too much money at the time, but he's one of those names where, he seems to have come into his own a little bit, especially this last year. They believe he shot around 38% for Orlando. He was, you know, knocking down or taking about five threes per game. Uh, defensively, it's kind of always been there. The He's a smaller, you know, smaller player, a smaller guard. Uh, whether or not he can really compete with, you know, I guess defensively with some bigger wings is a question mark. But he's always tried on that end. He's always been a, um, a hustle player on that end. And if you're just looking for truly three and D type players. He's a name out there and I think he'll be, he'll come pretty cheap. So yeah, those are just some names that I, that have come to mind for me during uh, when thinking about this. Uh, what about for you? Similarities, any other guys that, that uh, piqued your interest? Yeah. You named a bunch of, of my guys on my list. Um, I will say like there aren't very many free agents out there right now. And no. there is a lot of, there are a lot of teams with the full mid level and the uh, taxpayer mid level, which is 6.4 million. So I do think these guys are going to end up costing roughly that. Um, but, you know, the guys you mentioned and some more that I'll name here, I think would be gettable with that money. So it's, again, whether the Bulls want to spend that full amount and how they decide to divvy it up. But I think TJ Warren has probably the most upside of any player. He was a For really sure. good scorer and shooter. He's six eight. The Bulls absolutely need size. They need somebody who competes defensively and he does that, I think he'd be a great four and sort of allow Patrick to slide into a bench role that potentially helps him develop a little bit more. Um, I think he's probably, you know, pretty risky given that he's missed the last two years with, with injuries, but um, only 28 years old and still has, uh, you know, probably the highest offensive upside of anybody in the group. Uh, as I mentioned before, PJ Tucker, it seems less likely that the Bulls, would be able to get him uh, all, all reports indicate Philadelphia for the full three for 30 mid-level is what's going to happen there. And, you know, he's 37. So that's, that's a lot of money for a 37-year-old. If, yeah. if you want to pay a 37-year-old guy, you know, $10 million in his age 40 season, like be my guest. <laughs> um, I like Nick Batum a lot. He's probably going to go back to the Clippers, but he'd be a great option as a bigger wing who can pass dribble shoot and is a really smart player. Uh, the Martin twins, I think it'd be really cool if you did a situation that the Morris twins did a couple of years ago with the Suns, where they basically combined a salary and let them like divvy it up how they wanted to. And if you just gave them both the full mid-level, that would be really interesting. Get like 
way more depth. Let them play together. They play together at UNLV. Um, I think they are a little bit smaller than you might want. They're 6'5", but really good shooter defenders. And uh, Cody especially has some more playmaking chops. So I really like them. I think I'd be happy with either and or both. Um, I'll name a couple bit, a couple more for you here. Amir Coffey, he's also on the Clippers. Uh, they made him restricted this morning, so they could potentially match any offer that the Bulls made. But 6'7 wing, who can shoot 38% on threes. Uh, he really stepped into his own this past year uh, with the PG and Kawhi injuries. I think he'd be a really good option and definitely is a bit younger. And then the last one I'll say, uh, which I think will probably freak some people out, but I'll start by saying this. A 6'8 wing who is an NBA champion and shoots 38% on threes is a good team defender, and uh, his name is Otto Porter Jr. <laughs> he was. So I brought I, him up before, too. I understand. I've, people I've, hate him. I know it didn't work out, but like he's a good player. He definitely like had a, a year where he proved it, and the injuries absolutely derailed him in Chicago. He, I don't feel like he really took things seriously, but... The Bulls are a serious team now, and they need a big wing who can shoot, and he is that. 100%. I agree. It's it, That's a guy I've brought up a couple of times uh, throughout the playoffs as, you know, someone who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. It's just, I think a lot, you know, the people get angry when you're unavailable. Uh, a lot of that was not his fault. Like you said, maybe he could have done a little bit more to stay in shape, but at the end of the day, like, injuries are injuries. There's not a lot you can do. And when he did play, he was always good for them whenever he played. Um so, yeah, he's somebody that I, I definitely think. Batum, you brought up too. That's a name that I, I love. I just don't think it's going to happen. He seems that seem. I guess he's up for debate a little bit more now with the John Wall situation, you know, like him and Hartenstein. It's like, how much money are they going to they gonna have to try to throw at both or whatever with Wall into the picture? Uh, he would be, in terms of like guys who, are, who you could consider somewhat gettable, uh, Batum, I think, is one of the best options like out there for the Bulls in terms of just what they need. Like, he could give you the shooting that you need. He can give you the defense that you need. He just, and he's a veteran. He has the winning experience. I would be a big fan if, if they were able to add him, but yeah, at the end of the day, the options that we're talking about, I don't think anyone's sitting there like getting super hyped, right? They're like, why aren't you bringing up this guy or this guy? Like they're probably thinking of like these names that they're just like, well, why aren't you mentioning this caliber of player, or this talent? It's just like, well, at the end of the day, they can't really get that, that level of talent unless they go out and they do make one of these like blind side trades that we were talking about, or they just, they just, decide to go through the trade market, which is always an, a possibility with this front office. But if we're talking in terms of strictly free agency, uh, you know, this is not the sexiest free agent class by any means, especially with the the top end guys all looking like they're going to stay with teams that they're currently with. And, and I know again, that's a- that that's what takes me back to this go bear thing is if you actually, you have two years to compete, basically that's your window. And Maybe you think Patrick Williams is the next LeBron and in two years time, he'll be like carrying the torch and an all-star starter and all NBA first team and all this stuff. That's not going to happen. But if, if you don't feel that way, if you feel like anything less than that, you have this two-year window where there are a lot of good teams in the league, but it's not like a Cavs Warriors four straight finals situation. There is a window. And if you really want to compete, you're going to have to go out and get the best player. There's two ways to do it, right? You can either zag while everybody else is zigging and go really small against Embiid and, you know, the Celtics and Giannis and all these huge teams in the East, or you can go out and get the best defensive center in the league and actually compete with them. So if you want to actually compete, I think you need to get the best players. There aren't any saviors on the free agent market. They were never going to find a savior with the 18th pick in the draft. If you want to do it, that's how you got to do it. And so that's, I think, where the motivation for me comes from. Uh, I get the, the hesitancy with the contract. I get the hesitancy with trading Patrick Williams. But, like, if you're going to be disappointed by, you know, spending the MLE on Amir Coffey or the Martin Twins, then you have to, like, consider the other options, which are going after the star players out there that typically would not be available, you know, unless the circumstances that the team has totally crumbled and, Right. Things have gone sour. Yeah, and I think, and I do think that's what I've at least liked so far about this front office. Right, is I I always feel like they're weighing those options. Now, this is a, a a point in time that we haven't gotten to before, where the roster is getting super expensive. So we'll see if they continue to weigh those options. But at least the recent president has shown the per- first two years that hey, 
you know, if there's a big move to make, we'll do our due diligence. We'll take a look into it. And I expect they're going to, they're still doing that with Gobert. I, I expect the phone is, is open. No one has speed dial anymore, but I bet Utah is on, is on speed dial. I was like, what is, what's the equivalent to speed dial now? Like favorites in the iPhone, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like, like nobody. Talk, talk, asking Siri to call you really quick. Yeah, asking Siri to call the to call Danny Age real quick. Um, all right, so that's a good. I think that's a good Bulls centric conversation. Let's let's quickly move off. I mean, maybe some some of this will dip back into the Bulls. But I just want to quickly move off Chicago and just have a brief general NBA free agency discussion. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the names that you think are the most underrated free agents out there in terms of like the immediate impact they can make? And we don't necessarily have to think what team they're going to land on, but just, you know, what are some names out there that you think guys aren't talking about enough who could make an immediate impact? And maybe we've named some of them for Chicago. I I think we've named maybe a couple guys like Kyle Anderson come to mind. Uh, TJ Warren, like you said, also comes to mind for me just because of the offensive upside. We saw him drop. 50 points in the freaking bubble or whatever it was. Bubble Warren was, was epic. So there are names out there who I think, you know, you might not think about now might sound underwhelming now, but then make an immediate impact. Yeah. I think I mentioned most of them, PJ Tucker, TJ Warren. Uh, I do think Isaiah Hartenstein is going to be a stud. He's 24. His, uh, we're on the same page. We're big Hartenstein fans. Are (laughs) just outrageous. His steal rate, assist rate, block rate. Are like if you if you project those out, it's like Hardenstein and Jokic are the only players that put up those kind of numbers. And obviously, you know, you actually have to do it to be that good. But like those numbers indicate that he could be really special. Uh, obviously, he's not going to stretch the floor, but I think he could be a starting center for a lot of teams in today's NBA. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. Uh, well, yeah, go on. I, but I agree with you. I just want to just to echo the Hardenstein stuff. I've been. Uh, I think. It's been somewhat, you know, like joking-ish on anyone who follows me on Twitter. I've been joking a lot about Hardenstein the last couple of days, but I also like tired Rudy Gobert, but wired Isaiah Hardenstein. Uh, but I, I legitimately think he's an he would be a perfect get for what they need, and if they can get him at the right price for what the for what the Bulls were looking for, but also just any team that gets him, uh, and that's why the Bulls might not be able to get him because they're gonna, you know, potentially overpay. I think he'll be a great get for whatever team uh, ends up uh, mailing him. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, like I said, I think the the biggest uh, the biggest thing for me with that one, and and I'm typically opposed to spending ten million dollars on a Mo Bamba backup because I don't think he could take over as starting center after Booch, and I don't think he gives the Bulls that kind of flexibility. I do think Hartenstein could be that guy, so he's kind of the exception to the rule for me. You know, he he's played like eighteen minutes a game last season. It's not like he's out there playing 36 minutes and leading his team to the playoffs, but like they were a 500 team and they were missing a ton of guys and he was playing big minutes. So I, I do think he could be really good. Um, you said Gary Harris. I think he's back. I think he's like ready to go. Nice. Gary um, Harris is back. He, I mean, he had a couple of injuries and then he was like dumped in Orlando and everybody forgot about him. He's a little small for me. Like I, I think the bulls have a ton of six, four, six, five, six, six guys. And they kind of need, a little bit more size, a little bit more uh, length on the perimeter to be switchable. Um, but he'd certainly be a good option. And then uh, there's a couple more guys, I would say. Nick Claxton and Bruce Brown, the Nets guys. Uh, not sure what the Nets are going to do, frankly, because they're just the league's biggest soap opera. But uh, those guys could be really good on, you know, great role players on any team. And then I'll end with our boy Bobby Portis, former Bull former NBA champion, uh, he's really figured it out. Like teams need a big guy who mixes it up and shoots threes and, and he does that. So um, his defense is still pretty poor and he kind of get, gets away with it next to Brick Lopez or Giannis, but um, he could be a big player for a lot of, a lot of teams. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and that's the thing, there is value out there in this free agency if you're thinking about it from the right perspective. In, in ter- I, I think and if you're thinking about it just in terms of uh, potential high upside role players. Uh, one other name I'll throw out there, this is, I think Bulls, Bulls fans uh, are not going to like this name, and I'm not mentioning this name for the Bulls. This is just any team I feel like could end up getting more than necessarily they thought from him. Is Dennis Schroeder, at, at the end of the day, like he's still out there. I, I, I've never been a big stan of his. But he has played big minutes in places. You know, he's somebody who just kind of uh, has been forgotten about after he turned down the massive contract and then he was moved to Houston. And, you know, but if, if he buys into the right role somewhere, uh, he should be a perfectly fine. He could be a perfectly fine six man, right? He could be 
he can come in, he can uh, play downhill. You know, he tries uh, tries on defense. And so there's there's elements there where I can easily see him having like, you know, a bounce back campaign next year for a good team if, if somebody takes a chance on him. Yeah, I think he's become a little uh, underrated at this point. The pendulum has swung a little far. I don't think he's like a great player, but, you know, he's fast. He defends. Uh, he needs to be on the ball a little bit more. And like I said, the Bulls don't really need any more small guys, but. Yeah, not for the Bulls, had, just had, under, just, yeah, he's just a name that I yeah, think I wouldn't be He had a lot of success with uh, Billy Donovan in OKC. He's obviously, you know, won the championship with the Lakers. So he's he's a fine player. He needs to find a home. It didn't work with Boston. And then the Rockets were just like, we're not going to play you. So, uh, yeah, I think he could be back on somebody's radar. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's let's switch gears. What are some teams out there you think could go from uh, from like ugly to snuggly? Right, like not good right now, but you're you're you think next year they can have a uh, they can have a turnaround and and thinking in relation to free agency, like maybe some teams that can add some good role players here, and then you know you see them take a, a decent uh, swing in the right direction next year. Oh God! All right, let me look at the uh, <laughs> want to look at the, the NBA teams standings. I have to choose from. I mean. <laughs> I feel like this is maybe a hot take, but like, there's no way the Lakers are going to be as bad as they were last. Not year, as right? bad, like, no, they, no. They have to be better, and you know, like LA is going to do something. So that could be one. As much as I like, don't love to say it. Um, I think kind of the same thing with the Nets. Like, the fact of the matter is, like, Kyrie didn't play last year because of the vaccine mandate. The vaccine mandate is now gone, so he's going to play. And I think when they have a full year of continuity, they could be a lot better. Um, I think I really liked what the Clippers have done, not just this offseason, but like since last trade deadline, getting Robert Covington and Norman Powell. I think once they get Kawhi and Paul George healthy, again, not a super hot take here, but uh, I think they could be a lot better. And I, this is a, a stolen take, but I really like the idea that Zach Lowe has been, the agenda Zach Lowe has been pushing for DeJounte Murray to go to Minnesota. I just think that would be, an amazing fit next to Anthony Edwards. And if they do that, I mean, they had a really, they already had a good year playoff yeah. series, but I think they could really take a jump. So uh, yeah, I guess those are my quick hitter ideas. Okay. Yeah. I like, I, I, I agree with, I agree with most of them. I think uh, if I'm going to go like really like deep cut, real ugly to, to snuggly, I'd probably, I, I like, can I throw the Pistons out there? Can I mention yeah, them? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the Pistons are going to be number one league pass team for right. a and lot so of people. That's they're going to be fun. I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're on their way for right. sure. Right, and, but I think that, I think that last year, I wouldn't even necessarily say they were ugly because I also enjoyed watching them at times last year, but just having Ivy and, and, and Cade next to each other, that's easily one of the most exciting young backcourts in the league. You know, they, they're clearly not opting for the Aiton, um, for the Aiton situation, you know, who knows? We still don't know for sure. So, but like, let's say they were to get Aiton, right? Like that's a team that I could, like, we can't deny that they could be in the, uh, in the play-in like discussion next year. If, if, you know, if we can see the Cavs take that leap this year and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. That's just a team to me where it's like, if they keep staying aggressive in terms of their, uh, kind of team building right now, and they also added Noel and Alec Burks, two decent, you know, role players, so that's going to be a frisky team and somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if they are hanging around that um, that uh, playing range, uh, you know, midway through the year or whatever. The last thing I'll, I'll kind of ask is, do you think there's any team, and maybe we mentioned one, that needs to like do to go big? And let's exclude the Bulls. Maybe you think the Bulls need to with Gobert. And I, and, um, and I feel like you might after, you know, the discussion. You said you'd be okay with it if they didn't, but like excluding the Bulls, are there other teams that you're like, they need to go to go big over the next couple of weeks, whether it's free agency, whether, you know, it's trade, whether maybe I guess it's extending somebody, whatever it is to get back into to the picture next year. Uh, I think the Mavericks need to figure out a way to replace Brunson. It sounds like he's going to go to the Knicks and obviously like he was huge for them and they've already done the Christian Wood deal, but I think losing him would be a huge blow. And then this is maybe like a hotter one, but like the Suns could, really fall off like Chris Paul was not good in the playoffs he's 37 he's gonna be 38 like that could end at any moment and if they lose Aiton it just seems like they're primed to crumble a little bit even if like everything even if the roster stays the same like 64 wins is a lot so I think they need to do something I'm not sure what they need to do uh but they need to get something back for Aiden. like they, if they let him walk for nothing that is a just unmitigated disaster 
Uh, and I think they're, you know, primed for, you know, a little bit of a peelback, even aside from that. Well, that's what they need to do. I think you just nailed it. That's that's what they need to do is make sure they just get something back from Aiden. And I, I think it's in a perfect world, you know, maybe that is an Aiden for Miles Turner, you know, side and trade if the Pacers want to take that that risk on um, the younger talent. But they or maybe with the Spurs even, I don't know, like, will the Spurs give you back, you know, would the Spurs give you back Polo in that situation? I don't know. I, it, so you just have to find, I think you have to find some sort of starting caliber big man in a side and trade deal for Aiden to have the I mean I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year I was never I don't know I've always been a a little bit of a sun skeptic not in a bad way like I I do enjoy their team I think they've been smart and and you know what have you I've just I think that record last year I I saw them losing the playoffs not making to the finals again but uh yeah I think those are those are two 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 good teams the Mavericks is a smart one to bring up just with the Jalen Bunchen situation I don't know why the Knicks feel the need to to go this hardcore, I really do like Brunson. I, I do. I like him as a player. I've enjoyed watching him. He had a great year last year, but this seems super next to just be like, okay, we got it. This is a max. Like no one else agrees with you that this is a near like a max contract guy. Really, it's just the Knicks on their own on this one. So, so yeah, that'll just be a big, uh, interesting situation. But it will be a big loss for Dallas regardless, and that's that's uh, um, a team they have to improve on. I also think a team that could go big still not saying that they uh, they need to so going against my own question but a, a team that i'm looking at right now and i'm like yeah i could see that team making a big move is still the raptors uh they've been in the market you know for gobert or something like that and we know that they have a, a very well they're a very well coached team but just a smart team a smart front office so it's like if they added gobert that's a team that's really good <laughs> all of a sudden i think uh in terms of their defensive tenacity and 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 just their future upside with a guy like scotty barnes and some younger talent too so yeah they're an, they're an interesting one because like they've kind of gone all in on the wing big wing thing and so to add whether it's aiden or gobert it just i mean they would be absolutely monstrous but it's just a little outside the offense of is there's question marks yeah. going there yeah and also on on the gobert topic i think he actually is not a bad offensive player at all like if you think about the pick and roll situation between Demar and Vooch, for example, Vooch is getting the ball at the free throw line and having to kick it out to somebody that's a hesitant shooter, right? He's not diving to the roll and ever like going to dunk over the top. Like, wouldn't it be kind of nice to have somebody who's gonna like put that kind of pressure on the rim where instead of Demar having to lob it up in the middle and let the defense, you know, rotate and figure that out, like now the defense has to collapse a little bit more to prevent him from getting open dunks every time. And I'll take the dunk for sure. But if not, I mean, he's not like unable to make a pass to the corner. So I, I do think the offense would be, the floor would be a little bit cramped, but I think uh, a vertical athlete like Obear would actually help a lot of teams in uh, in those dive situations rather than um, hurting them via the loss of spacing. Right. Like I said, yeah, I said, like I said, I kind of said earlier, I believe it's, it's, I think that the offensive concerns have been overblown and, you know, right. a smart, a smart team with uh, the right role players and, and a good front office can, you know, tweak the roster appropriately. And the Bulls already have pieces in place with Alonzo and with an Alex Caruso to have decent enough perimeter defense to kind of limit certain concerns that there would be on both ends. So yeah, I, I I'm there with you on the, on the go bear thing. If it happens, I I'm excited to see your victory lap. Like I, <laughs> I can't, I can't wait what it, what it, to see what it will be, but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good discussion. I think we covered, we covered a lot of ground there. I, I always get worried about free agency, like podcasts turning into, um, you know, just people listing off players. And I think we did a decent enough job of like listing off talent in clumps and like describing why they would <laughs> they would be good. So that was that was good. I very much appreciate you coming on the show. And make sure, yeah, make sure that you uh, right now, like feel free to plug, you know, make sure you plug CHGO, your Twitter, whatever. Feel feel free, go for it. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at won't gottlieb. Uh, you can follow my work at allchgo.com and then subscribe to our YouTube channel, CHGO Sports. Uh, we have a daily hour-long show. Uh, it's video on YouTube and it's me, Matt Peck, and Big Dave. And we clown around and talk about the Bulls. We also have shows for the Bears, the White Sox Bulls, uh, Fire, Red Stars, every single team in Chicago. So um, definitely go check that out. I forgot to mention the WNBA champion, Chicago Sky. We have a show for them as well. So check that out. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter.
<laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I've, the most I've important heard. one. Yeah, the most important one. <sighs> All right. Big thanks to Will for coming on the show and talking everything free agency with me. Make sure to go follow him at CHGO. Also, again, thanks to anybody who listened to that first ep- episode and for those who are here right now listening to this one. I look forward to talking about everything we see unfold over the next couple of days on the show next week. And I don't think I did this the first time around, but you can go follow me on Twitter if you want at Schuster underscore Elias. My name is probably written somewhere in the description. I don't need to spell it out for you. I don't know why people do that sometimes. Do you like on podcasts or on radio shows? I feel like people, you know, spell out their name, but like who's writing it down? Like, does that really help? I don't know. I could be wrong. If it helps, let me know. But I'm going to start rambling. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. Adios. Adios.